One Ordinary Man, One Extraordinary Adventure. That's the back of the box quote for Uncharted Drake's Fortune, the newest game on Video Gameography, the podcast where we explore the most important game franchises in history, one title at a time. I'm Ben Reeves. And I'm Marcus Stewart. And today we're joined by the one and only Matt Helgeson, ex Game Informer editor slash uh, the host of Crossfade, a Min Max podcast. Spectacular, right? <laughs> it is. It's a music podcast, and every week we have a guest or every two weeks, uh, and Jason Daphnis and I, who was also a Game Informer uh, intern at one point, we just talk to the guests, they pick an album, and, and we pick an album, and then we kind of, it's almost like a book club kind of thing, we listen to each other's albums and discuss, and it's, it's been pretty fun. We're actually coming back, we were on a little hiatus uh, towards the end of last year, through the new year, and we're coming back, I'm not sure the exact date we're dropping it, but we are recording soon uh, with another familiar face to probably many of you, Dan Reichert, ex-Game Informer, current WWE. Can't get his face out of my head. General Internet Rascal. Dan Riker yeah. <laughs> uh, lives there. He's a, yeah, he's an internet rascal. And so, yeah, that'll be fun. It'd be fun to talk to Dan. And so uh, we're excited about it coming back. And it, it's just, so thanks for uh, plugging that. Yeah, you're such a music nut. I don't know, music kind of sewer. I don't know what you <laughs> consider yourself. But have you, as this podcast introduced you to any new music? You're like, oh, that's cool. Um, some Most of it, I like, I kind of knew, either I knew the name or in passing. Um, Gosh, Marty O'Donnell, who you guys probably know from halo music and all that we had on who's like super mm-hmm. cool to obviously like he's kind of legendary uh game composer that was really cool and he hit a band called gentle giant an english band from the early 70s it was like really wild kind of progressive neoclassical rock stuff that he was super into and i knew the name but i didn't really knew him a whole ton so and it was just cool to hear somebody with like advanced like you know musical theory and knowledge kind of listen to stuff and discuss so got a lot of good discussions it's been it's been a good time nice yeah, we're familiar with Marty O'Donnell because we just spent two months talking about Halo. So he's, his name came up uh, quite a bit. Marty's not so hot on discussing some of those things anymore. I will say that. But <laughs> No, that's fair. They're not on great terms. Yeah, their departure was not <laughs> best. But he's, he was super nice. He was super nice. But he's just like, man, yeah, he, I think he hates those guys pretty much. Ooh, bummer. Well, they had a big lawsuit and stuff. It was ugly. I yeah. Think. Anyway, but on to better news. Let's talk about a great game. Yeah, we've talked plenty about Halo. Yep, let's move on. We're starting a new series today, Uncharted. And I thought of you, Matt, because I know you reviewed, I want to say, the first two Uncharted games for Game Informer back in the day. Yep. But you were also like semi-familiar with just Dotty Dog as a whole and their games. So I figured you'd be good. Do you just want to like talk a little bit about your background and your love for Uncharted? Yeah, I mean, Uncharted, you know, I was always a fan of Naughty Dog. I mean, I think, you know, obviously Crash was kind of like the the face of PlayStation in some respects. So I think everyone kind of, you know, grew up with that. And then um, I, I first got to know those guys. I went to do a feature on the Jack, the first Jack and Daxter game. So that was cool because I got to be in the studio. And, you know, I threw like Andy McBriner and some of those guys I've met, like Jason Rubin and Andy Gavin. And we'd gone out for dinner and stuff. And um, I got to know Evan Wells. Evan, probably the best. Um, he's he's a great guy. Um, so I don't know, man. There's a studio I've always had a lot of respect for. I think that they... Um, just brought really well-crafted, well-made, you know, games that are just really fun and accessible to a lot of people and playable. And they, you know, obviously this at the time, I think was a real graphical kind of like landmark for me, you know, in terms of a, a game that presented sort of a, a movie-like experience that we almost come to expect, I think, from games in a certain respect now. that I think they were, this game to me, like, I mean, everything was headed in this direction, but this one was the first one was like, wow, man, this felt like I played a movie, you know, 
experience for like however many hours it took, you know, it, it, it delivered on that to me. So I always, I consider it sort of a landmark in that respect. And it, not that it influenced all these games, but just everything from like Arkham Asylum to like, you know, Spider-Man games uh, more recently, just, I don't know. Uncharted seemed to just hit that like Hollywood big budget blockbuster as a game concept, probably crystallized it maybe in, in, in that form at that time. So yeah, I just think they're a great studio. I mean, they've they've been a great studio. I think they're obviously one of the stalwart Sony studios, and they they have great programmers there that I think really understand like machine language, and they've always got the most. In this case, got the most out of the cell architecture, which was really kind of complicated for a lot of people. Oh right, yeah, the PS3 architecture, which was super wonky, apparently. Yeah, that was hard, and I mean, like the reason those guys got so much out of it is because like they had a, a lot of old school dudes. I can't remember the guy's name, but so. This is what, anyway, Ruben would say. There's a guy, and he was sort of basically on the original Sonic the Hedgehog, which everyone kind of credits Yuji Naka for that. But there was this other guy, and I, can't, I met him, he's a very nice man. He did all the programming and stuff, so... For the Sonic um, games? Yeah, yeah. Um, Masanabu Yamamoto, I believe. Okay. That's Sonic 2. But anyway, Ruben said like he could get that speed out of the Genesis architecture. He was the guy that had a lot of hand in like actual gameplay design and level design and where like Yuji Naka was definitely more of like the overall vision of the character and the, and the game as a whole. So they had some really, really good programmers. They worked with Mark Cerny um, of Cerny Games, um, who, you know, was really out in front of the PlayStation 4 uh, when that came out. Of Cerny, Mac fame, of course, right? Of Na- I, You know what? <laughs> Honestly, God, man, people are so like... Number one, I just miss 3D platformers in general. I think it's a really shame that that's gone away from the industry. Number two, everyone says like, oh, Nick, it's not that original. It's just another 3D platform. It's like, you guys will sit there and just have 8 million fairly identical, like, competitive shooters, like, shoved down your throat, like, year after year after year. And then, like, somebody, God forbid, makes, like, a just fairly standard, like, you know, character action game and it's the end of the world. I think Nick was pretty fun. Yeah, it was totally fun. I didn't know I'd hit a soft spot like that. Yeah, I just remember before Nick. <laughs> no, it's just... It was anytime somebody talked about Mark Cerny, they were like the Marble Madness guy. And then post Knack, it's been like, yeah, the Knack guy. It's like, what? How did he get? Why are those the games? That Dude, got- Cerny is Cerny is so big time. People don't even realize, man, like Cerny is so influential behind the scenes, man. Cerny was hired as a teenager, but he went to you know Japan in like 16. I mean, do you think the Japanese hired American teenagers? How good was he? You know what I mean? Like. And he, he I, I remember actually the first Jack, he was talking about back then dynamic difficulty. He was going through this whole thing. He's like, well, we just watch and we see if people fall in this hole or get killed. And then after a while, you maybe you'll get a little like, you know, power pack or something to give you more life at that stage. So like he was doing dynamic difficulty stuff back then that everyone does now. Cerny is like, he's a weird kind of out there dude. But um, man, he's he his consulting behind the scenes in the game industry is like all over the place. And like he's. He's a really influential guy. And like, it's not, it takes a lot for Sony on PlayStation 4 to like, you know, just being a Japanese, proud Japanese company to like have an American be like the face of that thing. Yeah. Like, that's the kind of respect he gets in Japan. And not, there's very few Western developers, any, that have that kind of respect in Japan. So yeah. I'll just say that about Cerny. I'll always feel bad about accidentally shoulder checking him at my first E3 while <laughs> moving through a crowded, crowded area and realizing it was him. Are you sure that was an accident? I hit him pretty hard, too. Like, he made a noise, and we looked at each other for a second before we went our separate ways. And I was like, that was Mark Cerny. Oh, crap. 
<laughs> Cerny was so funny. He's such a like he's such a character. Like we were sitting there the first time I went out there, I just met the dude. It's a bunch of like maybe eight journalists, and he's like, you can kind of see the top of their um parking garage, like through the window, and he's like, Yeah, over there. That's Jason uh Rubin's yellow Ferrari. Um, I actually had that first before him, and he kind of copied me. <laughs> I'm like, oh okay. I don't relate to these problems, but yeah. Mm. It's it's like so petty that I know it's super petty. Both own Ferraris. <laughs> him and him and Ruben were funny. They had a good dynamic. Like they're both really smart, but Ruben was definitely more like the kind of like Hollywood like hunk looking guy. Charismatic, yeah. oh, kind of totally. a guy. Yeah. And Cerny was definitely like an old school like video game kind of nerd guy. They were both great people, but um, it was they had a funny like kind of like odd couple dynamic between those two. Yeah. Well, anyway, those, those are great stories. Real quick though, Marcus, what is your history with Uncharted? Uh, the first time I saw Uncharted uh, was from a little-known outlet called Game Informer. I remember getting the cover story in the mail, uh, which is kind of famous now because it had the um, it had the initial design of Elena on it mm. before they the short uh, brown hair. Look. Yeah, which uh, I encourage people to look up because it's it's one of those things where you're like, oh, at the time you didn't know any better, but now you're like, oh, I'm glad they didn't stick with that. I like the I like Elena as we know her now. Um, but I remember reading that and getting super excited one because I. I'm a sucker for Indiana Jones and like those style of like stories and adventures is one of the reasons why I love Tomb Raider, but even Tomb Raider didn't totally scratch that itch because those games are similar, but they always kind of feel like Metroid, but like in an adventure game, because they always feel really like you're isolated and it's really quiet and kind of scary at times where this kind of had the, the bombast and the humor that um indiana jones has and also because of naughty dog uh i grew up you know like i had a ps1 and uh i was a huge crash bandicoot fanboy basically like straight up like had every game that had his face on it was just super into crash because i moved on from nintendo and i needed a new mascot to lock to latch on to basically but funny enough i had not played jack and daxter at the time like i completely missed that era of naughty dog i i kind of went ratchet and clank and always meant to go back to jack and baxter and to this day i've only played the first game i haven't played the other oh honestly you you should that series gets much better and much more ambitious as it goes on especially three yeah i remember reading the reviews yeah because i was like oh it kind of went almost gta at a certain oh, point 100 yeah yeah it was cool i mean those, those games are i'm sure they've done like multiple remasters of those over the years so they're worth they're worth playing for sure yeah, Jack X Combat Racing, who could forget that? I don't know if that was good or not. <laughs> but but it, I was excited, like, oh, this is my return to Naughty Dog. Will be this Indiana Jones-looking thing. Yeah. And I remember getting it at launch, because this was around the time, because, uh, God, it was like November 07. The PS3 was the first console I ever bought with 100% my own money at that point. It was like a year out of high school. And I really loved it uh, one particular section aside and we'll talk about it probably mm-hmm. um but overall i i loved it and yeah that's you know nothing crazy there but yeah yeah i just to make it quick i also love it i yeah i consider it one of my favorite modern franchises although considering it goes back to the ps3 at this point maybe it's not as modern as it used to be yeah but you mean to be like mario or something like old yeah old you know we just talked about Talked about Metroid and then Halo, which I consider older franchises, but 15 years old now. Yeah, it's getting up there. That's for sure. Anyway, I still love it. Uh, I would consider it one of my favorites of all time, even for sure. For some of the reasons that you listed, Matt and and, uh, Marcus, but I love 
Indiana Jones. <laughs> That's probably a big key yeah, to it. It's totally, like one of my totally. favorite, uh, I guess, movie franchises, Indiana Jones. So, and Naughty Dog's a great company. So they they've really been knocking it out of the park. But let's uh let's dive into the development history a little bit, shall we? Yeah. The game came out November nineteenth, two thousand and seven. So cast your mind back to two thousand and seven. The games of that year we've talked about several times already, but just as a recap. Assassin's Creed, Bioshock, Mass Effect, Portal, Rock Band, Pokemon Diamond and Pearl, Call of Duty 4, Modern Warfare, our old friend Metroid Prime 3, and Halo 3. So that's why we've talked about them 2007 so much. But yeah, big year. A couple films of that year were Spider-Man 3, the first Transformers movie, The Simpsons movie, and uh, that piece of crap Shrek the Third. I don't know if I saw that. I like how that's the piece of crap out of that list. <laughs> Spider-Man 3 gets a pass. <laughs> uh, honestly, it gets ragged on more than it needs to be. Mm. Was that with Sandman? I, I, we, we can't open the door. We can't open the door. <laughs> that Seriously, is a little we gotta, keep on, we gotta keep going. Uh, just a few other events to cast your mind back to 2007. Keeping up with the Kardashians debuted. If you can Jesus believe it or not. Christ. That long. Nancy, wow. yeah. Nancy Pelosi was uh, the first female Speaker of the House. Wow. And Vladimir Putin was named Times Person of the Year. <laughs> wow. That's a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. And then on November 19th, Naughty Dog released Uncharted Drake's Fortune. But before we talk too much about that, let's jump back even further and talk about the creation of Naughty Dog as a company. A lot of people think of Crash as like their entry into gaming but they did a lot of games before did that they do a skiing game i think their first game was skiing maybe or something or was it oh man i get stuff confused yeah so they were originally named jam software in like 1984 but naughty dog dates back to 1989 that's when they changed the name to naughty dog and there was a the math jam game they made i never played this i think you're thinking of ski uh ski craze by the way matt is that it yeah there's some some obscure for Apple II, it looks like. Yep, yep. Keith the Thief, I think they did something like that back in the day. Way, Way of the Warrior, probably yep. something. I, trying, Way of the thinking. Warrior is the one that I first remember like being familiar with. And I think that was, it was a fighting game. I think that was kind of one of their big earlier hits, big-ish hits. This was kind of like in that era of like Mortal Kombat sort of copycats. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm sure it was a direct response to Mortal Kombat. That mid-90s fighting game with real people kind of thing. Yeah. Everybody mm. had fatalities and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And then 1996 rolls around and crash bandicoot comes out, which just dominates. Were you both crash bandicoot fans? Oh yeah. I mean, that was kind of, I don't know. Back then they were kind of positioned as like almost like the Mario, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was weird back then. I felt like you kind of like picked your team with your console and then it came with like the little, creature or plumber or whatever that you sort of cheered for like it was like everyone had their own like it had to be a creature or a plumber that was the yeah, rule yeah. basically it came out at the perfect time for me too because i grew up with an nes i loved mario I had his snes and then i graduated so to speak to sonic because i was old enough to be like oh this guy with attitude i'm all about that and then by the time crash came out i was still a kid but old enough again to be like oh yeah this guy's rad he's those commercials were even more attitude than Sonic. Look at those pants. He's standing outside Nintendo's headquarters with the Yeah, megaphone. those are famous commercials. I remember those. Those are famous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I ate those up. I thought it was great. 
Yeah. One thing, Naughty Dog was always a pretty tech savvy company. They were always pretty good with their programming chops because Crash was doing things with the PlayStation that other games couldn't do just tech wise. People would see that and like, I can't believe this, this game looks this good. And it did look good. I mean, you look at it now and you're like, whatever, that's, that's a bunch of garbage. But, but it looked really good for, for 1996. Yeah, I'd still say that I think the first, or maybe all of those games, for PlayStation 1 games, I think they hold up better than a lot of other games than that. Uh, yeah, you gotta library. look at them next to other PlayStation games is the trick. Yeah. And just to, I just want to give one other person a shout out there. Um, so a lot of that technological you know, savvy is, is there's Jason Rubin, who's one public facing, but the other founder is Andy Gavin. Andy's a much more quiet guy. He was from MIT before games, and he worked on a project to create some sort of c- computer language. Like it, this was a really prestigious project within MIT. So like, just to put it this way, like if you're talking about like the early to mid eighties, like cutting, 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 cutting edge of like computer programming technology, Gavin was working on that, like whether it was like the very early eighties or whatever. So he was kind of the tech guy and Ruben was kind of the design guy, I think initially, but Gavin's like, I think kind of like an actual, you know, people throw their own genius and stuff, but I think Gavin like IQ wise and stuff mm-hmm. is like, you know, real genius kind of thing. Like up there with me kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, street comedy, there's sort of like, there's levels to it. There's the highest, innovators. Yeah. The highest level of human achievement being street comedy. Well, and it all, it's like a pyramid that builds up to that. Once that's, you peak, where do you go? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I'm glad you brought up Andy Gavin. I sort of skipped over that. But Andy Gavin, Jason Rubin, they founded, I can't remember the name of the third guy. They founded with a third guy. They founded Jam Software and then he took off. That's what Jam stood for. It stood for like J for Jason, A for Andy, and then M for, I can't remember the name of the other guy. Sorry, uh, guy. Mike Goyet. There you go. But then when he left, they're like, we need to change the name. So let's come up with a more absurd name. Naughty Dog. There we go. Also, that original Naughty Dog logo is upsetting. <laughs> it just has just a mess of early 90s graphic design. Yeah, it's very rad, like early 90s, yeah. Very poochy. Like Cartoon Simpsons. dog kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for, well, for a while there, it felt like every time a new Sony console came out, Naughty Dog felt like, oh, it's time to do a new thing. So the PS1 was the crash era. And then when PS2 came out, they did the Jack and Daxter games, which I thought was great. And then when the PS3 was rolling around, they're like, okay, now we have more technology so let's do something that's even more realistic they were sort of trending in that direction anyway where Mm -hmm. crash very cartoony kid-friendly jack and dax are a little bit more mature maybe teenage kind of mascot stuff that that got pretty serious in the second and third games pretty pretty mature but it was still cartoony looking characters so for the playstation 3 they thought okay now we can finally get to making a game with realistic looking people and so that's what they were doing. Uh, and then when that they debuted the game, it didn't actually have a name. It was just Codename Big was what they were calling it. They wanted to do something that was kind of, like you said, Indiana Jones inspired. But remember when it debuted? We're like, we don't even know what it's called. And a lot of people just started calling it Dude Raider. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the, the half tuck, the half tuck, the half tuck Henley, everything, uh-huh. like the shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I remember, I remember the lead up to it. I remember the funny thing about that game is that this is one thing that people always complain about. I think that, um, like game journalists should be more like more critical in previews, which I mean, I can see that to a certain degree, but I swear, man, like I've seen so many games early that looked so good that didn't pan out. But like the E3 right prior to that game, you know, if that came out in November, the May prior, it didn't look great at E3. I mean, it looked great, but like 
it was janky. It was like the, the hit detection was very bad. So the enemies were kind of getting like hit by bullets that were say like, you know, a foot off their head. They were ragdolling and falling and like really, you know, they get hit like this and they fall. It yeah. looked kind of rough, honestly. And then I don't know what they did in the, that home stretch or that was just part of the process um, that they have. But um, so that's why I always kind of felt like you can't judge that stuff till it's out, you know? Well, even so E3 didn't look bad. And then there was a couple of months before release they actually came by the office i don't even remember that matt but they were showing that. it showing us the game i maybe it was mick me and miller were in on it i want to say it was like three months before release and they showed us that level where you're on the sort of jet ski you're on the, the water mm. and that mm-hmm. that part of the game is pretty rough but it looked even worse when we were seeing it and we're like i I don't think this game is coming out in November. I was like, this game is going to have to get delayed because it looked really bad. So I don't know what magic they worked in those last three months, but Uh, I think mostly just human suffering and pushing people to the extremes of uh, human endurance. Probably. Yeah. It's not magic. It's a blood sacrifice. The the magic usually in games. I mean, I don't know that, but if I had to guess, no, I'm Um, sure that's a hundred percent accurate. I'm sure. But yeah, that, so that's that was kind of jumping ahead a little bit. But even before when the project started, at one point they were considering a underwater level, like a excuse me, not level, uh, like an underwater game set in an underwater biome, kind of weird, like Bioshock, a hundred percent like Bioshock. That's really interesting. But then Bioshock got announced around the same time that they were starting to work on it, and they were like, wow. "Wait a minute, this is too similar to what we want to do. Let's shift gears." And they went with this more. Indiana huh. Jones style. I had never heard that story. That's wild. Someone in audio, I flip the table over and discuss. Yeah. Oh man. Start it over. Yeah. And what a we- what a weird idea for two people to have separately. You know, it's not like the most obvious idea in the world. Yeah. You know. I mean, it's like the story of what was it, Sucker Punch pitching a game called Uncharted before Naughty Dog and announced Uncharted like it was a totally different game, but it had the same title. And yeah, then... yeah, yeah. As well. Same thing. Yeah, that would have been maybe around the same time even. Yeah, shout out to Sucker Punch. Sly Cooper. Bring bring Sly Cooper back. Yeah. That's what people want from next gen gaming. A new Sly bring Cooper. Bring him back. Yeah, hell yeah. Let's see that firm. <laughs> maybe there's a fifth Sly Cooper game done and it's already been stolen by Sly Cooper himself. Damn. Can't can't stop him. Do, 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 do. Like when he's tiptoeing on that. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, again, let's stick to the script. <laughs> yeah uh let's read the script what's next they're in an early demo i remember watching those early demos and i'm like that looks a lot like johnny knoxville and it turns out johnny knoxville was actually the basis they were like they looked at johnny knoxville as like a basis for their hero which wasn't named at the time but nathan drake for a while kind of looked like johnny knoxville isn't that weird that's a that weird sentence like yeah I looked at Johnny Knoxville as the basis for my hero is a weird sentence, <laughs> but I don't know. I guess especially back in the mid 2000s, he was a handsome guy, right? Yeah, he yeah, was in a Royal was, Rumble. He was great. It's untraditionally sort of. Jackass is amazing. I mean, I, I love yeah. it's coming back. Yeah. So I can see that. And then they obviously changed him and kind of went a more traditional way. Uh, there was a anecdote too when Nolan North came in to audition. They were like, oh, this guy's great. We like him. They wanted to cast people who were good at acting like physical acting too because they were mo-capping everything but then at one point during the during the audition apparently he started doing this christopher walken impression and they're like this guy's funny (laughs) that's kind of what helped sell it this wasn't a story that they didn't really like nolan didn't have a script they just kind of told him to wing it and he just kind of like made up everything on the fly like i think he there's like a story where like he slid across the floor on his knees 
like yeah. pantomiming <laughs> shooting. He was dancing around with a fake gun like he was like a six year old or something. Just yeah. Play just fighting. Like a, he's like, yeah, just having a good time here. And then they're like, that's that's what we want right there. Do you guys think the fact that, you know, everybody makes fun of Nolan North because he's in every game ever now. But this is kind of back before then and helped him sort of ascend. But do you think the fact that Nolan North was the main character in this game, like helped it sales wise at all or helped sort of establish it? No. Like, you mean just like his name value? No, 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 no. Not like name brand. Oh, his performance is his performance and who he is. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. So, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think that's one thing that I was uh, I've been watching, you know, like playthroughs on YouTube and stuff. And like it, they, they do have that very like which video games had struggled with up to that point of that very natural kind of repartee between characters that, you know, the Marvel movies do that very well. Indiana Jones did that very well. You know, just between him and Sully and, and, and Elaine and stuff. It's just, I don't know. They had a very natural flow. I think that didn't seem as stilted, at least for me, um, compared to a lot of video game talent. Yeah. That's the thing that drew me in immediately and rewatching, uh, some of the clips for this of like falling in love with those characters all over gangs. Like even within like the, first like couple minutes of the game i was like these people these characters talk like people <laughs> uh and it, it feels natural in a way that i don't see even to this day with a lot of games that's a good point and it, you know it was one of the reasons why i remember going out of my way to recommend this game to people when i played it it's like it's you know the cliche like it's like playing a movie um but knowing like no you're gonna really like these characters they're, they're just so charming yeah totally and it was the other thing I want to bring up just because Ben, you brought up kind of how old it was or 15 years old or whatever. Mm-hmm. One thing that struck me too, when I was watching this um, on YouTube again was, man, we hit the point of diminishing returns on graphics versus hardware so long ago. So like this game's 15 years old. I was shocked at how good it still looked. I mean, mm. th- yes, things are dated and yes, the facial animations aren't that good, but it didn't look horrible to me. It, it looked okay. And like, then I was like, well, when that was a game 15 years ago was 1992. So then you're talking Sonic 2, Wolfenstein 3D, Contra 3, Super Mario Kart, uh, FF5, Dragon Quest, Streets of Rage 2. I mean, think about the gap between those games I'm talking about graphically and the gap between Uncharted now and games. For oh, sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. those games aren't even in the same universe as, as what, like, Uncharted was. But, like, yes, obviously, if you play something on PlayStation 5 or Xbox now, it... It's going to look a lot more high res and you know, everything's better. But, you know, I think Uncharted still looks somewhat respectable. You know what I mean? And which is amazing to me. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, the jump from PS4 to 5. It's not that much. Not, not the first person to say this didn't seem as significant. And it's been maybe. less. It'll be less with every successive generation, too. It's been less with every successive generation. And it'll, that'll continue till it's we're just like, I don't know, haven't chips implanted in our brains that play yeah. video games or something every, but. every game it just looks like an fmv <laughs> yeah yeah totally but i thought that was interesting it, it doesn't seem 15 years old to me but i don't know time's weird like that no yeah it's wild it's almost like it was yesterday it does feel like that we talked a lot about nolan north being important to the franchise another person who was very important to the franchise was amy hinning and matt did you ever meet her yeah, I know. I mean, I, I, I haven't talked to her for years, but I, I, knew, I knew Amy and, you know, we had a lot of, I would just say Amy Hennig is just one of the most gracious, like warm people. I think she's super talented and, and, you know, it's unfortunate, like she's kind of had some ups and downs, you know, 
since then. But man, I, I think it's a shame that she's not. You know, I, is she doing anything right now? I know she had that Star Wars thing she was attached to. That was kind she's of, on yeah. the Marvel thing right now, isn't she? Oh, good. Okay, but she's working on some Marvel game, and then she apparently helped out sort of early. I don't know story beats with the Forspoken game that Square's oh, working on. Cool. Yeah, I don't know yeah. what. I don't know if she's tied to a, to a studio with that Marvel thing or if she's just kind of freelancing, so to speak. She has her own like story concept studio. I don't know. I can't remember the name of the studio, but yeah, that she runs. So I think mm. it's she's contracted out through that. Okay. And I heard some people rumors circulating that it could be a final, uh, not Final Fantasy game, but a Fantastic Four game. Cool. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I hold her in such high regard as a person, as a talent and, and really true. I mean, also just, you know, as a woman basically being the director for some huge, you know, triple a franchises was not some still not seen enough now. And certainly yeah. 15 years ago, uh, yeah. was a rarity. So I, I like, I can't say enough good things about Amy. Yeah. Not to go off the rails, but fantastic for, that sounds perfect for her. That family. Yeah. Dy- oh God, yeah totally. that, that family dynamic with her writing. I'm, oh yeah. Plus, I hope that's what it is. <laughs> I think she's a big fan of sci-fi, so if you go wild on the high-concept sci-fi stuff, that's what I want out of Fantastic Four anyway. Uh, yeah, that sounds great. I mean, somebody's got to get that right. Yeah. <laughs> One day. <laughs> you would hope. Just keep rolling the dice. Eventually, you got to hit it. I mean, it's just such a great franchise for games. I just don't know. I mean, there's been some good ones and some okay ones, but it's not... I feel like somebody can hit that. Like The same way as like when we saw Arkham Asylum, like Batman games were kind of like cursed or something. Yeah, and no one could quite do it right, and then we saw that, and we're like, "Holy bleep! Like this is going to be good." You know what I mean? And I think mm-hmm. somebody's got to do that for Fantastic Four. Yeah, for sure. Going back to Hen- uh, Amy real quick, she got her start in the Super Nintendo days, working on Michael Jordan Chaos in the Windy City. That was her first game. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I remember that game. Which she she told me a story once. I got an interviewer for at the Strong Museum a while back that she. Was supposed to meet Michael Jordan, but then she got stood up or something. So like, oh, that was no. kind of a, a bummer. Uh, but then she went on to work at Crystal Dynamics, which is where I first heard about her because she worked on the Legacy of Kane games, which I love. And I still hold those up as like pretty great storytelling games, especially for their time. Yeah. And then she joined Naughty Dog kind of around the time. I understand he's around Jack 3 and she kind of helped finish ship that off and then started like, okay help build a new project, help build a new IP. And then that's when they started working on project big, which turned into uncharted. Yeah. And Evan Wells, I believe was crystal dynamics too. So they probably had a connection from back then. Yeah. That's a good point. That's probably how, how that happened. There was a lot of crystal D was a big talent incubator, that studio. Cause like Geronimo Barrera from rockstar that, you know, was kind of executive produced all the GTA stuff. He was a lot of good people at crystal dynamics back in the. Yeah. That's a good point. So yeah, then they made Uncharted 3, which uh, I found one quote that I thought was interesting about... Uncharted 1. <laughs> no, they jumped straight to Uncharted 3, it turns out. They did, yeah. <laughs> that's that's bold. Yeah, it was a crazy move. No, yeah, you're correct. I found one quote from Jeremy Yates, who is a lead character animator for the Uncharted series. In 2015, he told Games Radar that the period where they started to finish up that like last year of development was really, really hard. And this is what he says. He says it was a really dark period for Naughty Dog because prior to that time, we had such a low turnover rate that people never quit. Maybe like one person a year. It was a really big deal. 
but everybody at the studio had been hired on to do cartoony, stylized games, that kind of thing. And we were transitioning into doing more realistic work. So we were hiring on a lot of new people. So they're new to Naughty Dog and they're new to our production and how we work. And then during that time, during that second year into Uncharted, we were getting to the point where all of those new people just lost faith. You're never going to finish this game. You guys are screwed. You've bitten off more than you guys can chew. And I don't want to do this. I don't want to kill myself for this game. So every single week, almost to the point where every single day someone was like, I'm done over the course of a couple months, at least 30 people quit, which is huge. Wow. Yeah. Probably like a third of the team or something. Well, I was trying to figure out like, yeah, how big the team size that would have been. And I couldn't find very good stats on that for Uncharted 1. I eventually found that on Uncharted 3, there were 90 people on the dev team. Okay. So maybe, maybe wow. Thir- then if 30 quit, that's a Jesus. So it was probably like, team was like 60 that. people. Yeah. Half the team. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's rough. Which is just wild. I mean, yeah, that apparently Naughty Dog's been in the news, obviously, for, you know, their practice of crunch and all that. And everybody's trying to do better, hopefully. But yeah, for Uncharted 1 specifically, it sounds like it was brutal. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, but that was the industry. Yeah. Yeah. Was was in to some case still is maybe from my understanding. But yeah, I mean, I'm glad that stuff's getting more attention. You know, we probably should have covered that better back in those days but you know we didn't know any better we were doing the same thing you know it was kind of just like the culture the whole thing was kind of messed up in that respect you know I, I didn't i didn't really see it for what it was probably even at game informer you're saying there was a lot of crunch in the early days oh god yeah i mean i worked 72 hours straight no sleep 36 hours sorry 36 hours straight. <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay. so that'd be like inhuman, oh, that'd no. Be inhuman. no 36 hours because it was like 24 plus yeah uh-huh. to do yeah. a freaking like uh Tumba 2 strategy guide that probably like 10 people freaking used, but everybody's still using it, dude. Yeah, I'll use it now. Good, good. But me and Jay Fitzloff killed ourselves for that. So, did it? Yeah. Why did it have to be like that? Because well, you would, especially I then, there was know, no man. website. Like, no, there was a website. Was it just, dude, there well, was a website. Meaningful website. Dude, <laughs> dude, dude, stop. We had to freaking hard code HTML the front page every day. You had to like do like IMG SRC equals to put any screenshots in. Like, wow. is that why you were up for 24 hours? Well, I mean, it was just a lot of work. I mean, like we, we didn't have a CMS, dude. It was just like, it, like we were basically HTML coding the web page. And then at five o'clock every day, we'd hit enter, <laughs> like overwrite the yesterday's main page. Oh, so if you accidentally deleted the wrong so thing. So like, yeah, it was it, like, it was, a, it was a small website, but oh my God, it was a lot of busy work when it was your day. So stuff like that. Yo, we walked three miles to, you know, Game Informer uphill the whole way. <laughs> bare feet, you know what I mean? That's an old man now. Yeah, but Marcus, do you want to tell him how rough you had it when you were an intern? Well, uh, I mean that I will say the old CMS that was there when I was there was awful <sighs> compared to dude. what we use now. <laughs> like, oh so, I mean, I, I guess you don't have I to had, tell me about that either, Marcus. I was, oh, yeah, had to pay my dues in that sense, I guess. Yeah. Oh, that was horrible. And then you have to like crash the system to like quick grab it something to do like box art or something like that. Oh, I don't I don't think we got to we were allowed to touch box. Art. I, remember, oh, I yeah. remember now I'm thinking in comparison, the screenshots we use were much smaller than what we're using now. Yeah, I do remember sure. when you uploaded box art. Yeah, it would just crash eventually. So you'd upload it and then like 
cancel out of yes. after it uploaded. That's you had to cancel mm-hmm. out, and then just <laughs> you couldn't crash, go look yeah. for it. Then you had to know what where the directory was, yep, and yep, then yep. just like manually type it in. Anyway, whatever. Let's um let's keep going. I know at one point they were talking about making the game a brawler action game, kind of in the vein of Tomb Raider with a lock on targeting system. I know okay. they've talked about this and then Gears of War came out and they're like, oh, that's good. We should do that. And so they in the last year switched over from this lock on brawler system to cover to more. Yeah, exactly. Which I think was probably the right call. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh yeah, I'm sure. shooting's I mean, fine. It, it fits his every man uh, persona of like you know he's not going to run in there and just absorb ninety bullets. <laughs> he's realistically he's going to be taking cover any chance he gets. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, and just to kind of you know talk about the game itself. To me, the thing that distinguished it from like Tomb Raider, especially I'm talking about like the Tomb Raider is the classic era, the original era. It was never that fun to like just physically move around in space in the early Tomb Raiders. Like you had, it was so janky to like line up your jumps and like count kind of how many steps and then fall. It was just like the thing instantly about Uncharted, it was just like, this is actually fun just to like explore and move my character around in this space. It never felt like you were labored. Whereas like old Tomb Raiders, Lord, man, I bet if I played those today, I don't know if I could stand to play them. Honestly, you can't. I went back to them like eight years ago and they were already by then just, (laughs) just a mess. Yeah. So that was kind of the triumph of it to me is it made it fun. You know what I mean? And it still had the exploring and stuff, you know? Well, and their animation was so good. Even back then with the first Uncharted, there was like dynamic animation when you were running and getting shot at. He would sort of duck and move around like in Mm. realistic ways. And and that was all like fluid. And they had new tech that would allow for variations in animations, especially with Mm -hmm. the enemies, too. When the enemies were diving in and out of cover, like so it it didn't always have just the same one or two animations they would cycle through. I mean, it, it's probably be hard for some, like if you were a kid now that wasn't around when that came out, like it would probably be hard. Cool. That looked at the time, you know what I mean? And what, like what a leap it felt like when you, when you saw it, you know, running on your TV. Yeah. Actually, I, ha- I have a quote here too, from uh, talking about the switch over to in the shooting style from Lucas Pope, who worked on the first game, Lucas Pope being the guy who made papers, please and return over den. It's kind of found some fame there, but for a while he was at Naughty Dog. Anyway, he said, one of the cool things about Uncharted 1 is that we had no effing idea what we were doing. This is from an Ars Technica interview, by the way. We had no idea what we were doing. The design decisions were incredibly fluid at the last minute, including a total overhaul of the control system. Uncharted 1 was announced, and then Gears of War came out, and Gears reinvented the modern third-person shooter, and then suddenly... Like, oh, now we see how to do it. And so they had to like change the combat system six months before release. Wow. He says. That's wild. And that must have been a hell development. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> God bless them. But it came together. I mean, I Uncharted One gets bagged on now. It's probably the weakest Uncharted. It, fairly, right? Like well, going back I mean, to yeah, now, it's pretty rough around the edges. I mean, it's only because the other ones got better, not that it was a bad game. Exactly. And I think for its time, it was an amazing game and a lot of fun to play. And it's only like you, you kind of got to look at it through that lens if you go back to it now. Yeah, I, I always feel like in general, like the first sequel in any series tends to like really be 
kind of a landmark because it's like you made all these mistakes on the first game or there's probably all these things you wanted to do but you couldn't have time to do or you couldn't figure out the tech to do it and then you're coming back and you're at like rebuilding the engine from scratch you know like like i don't think people talk about the original assassin's creed whereas like i think assassin's creed 2 is held in much higher you know that's just sort of a natural thing in a lot of ways you know yeah that's another good example of that it's a rough development by and large but ended up being a good game the blood sacrifice worked marcus i'm curious just because you know like i was obviously a game informer stuff like that but you were like I probably don't want to know how young you were when this game came out, but you're probably pretty young. And um, how how just like, was this a game? I'm curious because like, I've never understood how big in pop culture Uncharted was, you know, because I know they had a movie coming out and stuff. Yeah. Was this like a big game, like, you know, Halo or like, you know, Fortnite is now, or is it more of was kind of like a gamers kind of game? I think because I would have been a year out of high school at this point when the first Uncharted came out. So like 19 going on 20, something like that. Okay. I all of my no longer a boy yet, not yet a man. Yes, Uncharted <laughs> made me a man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be a great that'd be like the ultimate box quote, like pull quote from a review. This game made me a man. Only wore my shirts half tucked going forward. I think within my um immediate friend circle, like all of my friends had uh PlayStations. And so it was a I think I was the first one to play it. Um, but I was also the most like hardcore like gamer in terms of following the industry and knowing when something was coming out you know like i said mm-hmm. it was described the game informer for years at that point and just other stuff it it was a pretty big hit with my group and like all of my friends that i know are still to this day like huge uncharted fans i don't think it hit like in the sense of a halo of like whoa this is like everywhere yeah yeah that was my sense of it yeah and because this was the ps3 would have only been a year old at this point it felt like it was the first major sony exclusive of like you gotta get this because you know it launched with resistance which was great but you know that series never really hit like halo levels of like this is like the premier shooter even though i i think that first game is still really good it is Um, cool yeah but like it felt like uncharted from what i remember was the first like oh this is their big new franchise here like we gotta play this because in between that would have been like what heavenly sword was yeah. the same year before it, and that wasn't like a big deal, you know. Outside of, I think it was a great post. game, but yeah, yeah. not a splash. No one cared about Heavenly Sword though in the in the in the larger yeah, world. I liked Heavenly Sword, but yeah, nobody, <laughs> nobody, cared. no one cared. Yeah, but I think okay, that's kind of that was my sense of it too. I was just curious, you being a little more close to like the high school kind of thing at that point, you know. I think two was the one where it really blew up. Honestly, like everyone yeah. talked about yeah, two. it was getting two was getting perfect tens and everybody's it was like game of the year talk and yeah. oh god yeah two was amazing but you know watching it again I, you know it's a well-paced game i mean you know they didn't i mean two they really amped up the set pieces i think you know the set pieces in one aren't like super like staggering you know what i mean yeah like they got to be i think right there's some cool stuff for sure but it's not it feels like it's sort of an evolutionary step game and probably two is probably maybe what I would more consider like the, the real birth of like uncharted is like this really, really, really amazing franchise. I really, uh, I have a lot of fond memories of the game and I was, like I said, I was impressed by how it looks pretty good still. And yeah, I feel like it, it was a sort of an important game in certain senses for Sony. I think it was very important for Sony. I think it was important for the industry. Um, and just how people present games and kind of, I don't know. It just didn't, <sighs> I don't know. I don't know if I can articulate this well, but 
games when they tried to be like movies always felt like somewhat kind of stilted or dorky about it. And this one's felt like, wow, this is actually, I feel like I'm watching, say, like yeah. Mark Wahlberg in the 90s and a Mark Wahlberg now or whatever. But, you know, uh-huh. I don't know about the movie. What do you guys think about the movie? Oh, like, I'm, I'm excited to see it. Uh, a lot of it's more curiosity and it's like, well, of okay. course I'm going to see it. It's an uncharted movie. It, I'm going into it the same mindset I had when I saw Song the Hedgehog of like, I mean, maybe a little less like this looks like a complete disaster, <laughs> but I need to see how bad of a disaster. <laughs> it's more of a, like, this looks weird, but like, it looks like it'll be fun. I don't think the movie ultimately needs to exist. Cause I think the, for me, the appeal of uncharted is that it plays like, like if it, it feels like you're playing a movie, yeah. so when you take away the gameplay part, it's like, then what is there? It's just yeah, a movie. The point? Yeah. Like kind no, of, yeah. That, and it's kind of weird. Cause it's like this, you know, Ouroboros of like content where it's like uncharted was basically just trying to make a movie like Indiana Jones into a game. And now there's a movie based on a movie, a game that was just trying to be a movie. I just, I don't, you know, like it's kind of weird. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I guess they have a pretty big cast, but I don't know. I remember seeing, you know, interviewing Jake Gyllenhaal before like Prince of Persian. They thought that was going to be a really big deal because they'd gotten like some Ooh. fairly A-list actors and stuff. And it had a really big budget. I mean, that was, might have been Gore Verbinski or something, but I don't know. It'll be interesting. But they definitely probably have the two biggest like name kind of action movie stars, right? That they've ever had in a game movie. Oh, that's a good question. Like with Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg. I mean, those are two pretty like blue chip yeah. names now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially right now for Tom Holland. Mm-hmm. And Wahlberg's just been, you know, a, yeah. a, a fixture for like, you know, a long yeah. time. So good question. Yeah. I mean, I would say bigger than what Michael Fassbender from Assassin's Creed. Oh, I feel God, like that. Yeah. People were saying like, oh, it's Michael Fassbender. It's like, great. And I think we all like Michael Fassbender. Yeah. Fine, Magneto, man. Yeah. Yeah. Not quite the same gravitas, yeah, I guess. No, maybe as no. Spider-Man. I, I'm hopeful for that Uncharted movie. We'll see how it turns out. Maybe. I mean, it's not going to be as good as Indiana Jones films. Well, no, it'll probably be dumb fun. At least I don't think it'll be as good as the as three of the Indiana Jones films, I should say. It feels like I could wait for like it to show up on HBO Max and I'll probably enjoy it in a Saturday afternoon kind of setting. You know what I mean? It yeah, feels right. like a fun, a fun movie. I don't I, you guys go. I haven't been to a movie for like the last movie I saw in the theater was like Knives Out because then I went into like hibernation. So, oh, wow. It's been yeah. a while. I need to go. I'm going to hold a controller while watching it. (laughs) That's why you should do it at home. Yeah, you can pretend. Yeah. Uh, Marcus, is there anything we should talk about story-wise just for Drake's fortune before we totally wrap up the discussion on Uncharted? I mean, you know, it's the the introduction of, you know, the three main characters, Nate, Sully, Elena. It's weird. Like, the Uncharted stories are always, for me, really fun. But I think it's more because I love seeing those uh, characters interact with each other. Like the actual adventure that they're on and the story, it's usually secondary to me. Yeah. Uh, like you see, this one is like, oh, he's gonna, he's trying to find El Dorado because he, at least to him, believes he's uh, Sir Francis Drake, who's a real life explorer, that he's his descendant. And he's that's using... not something they revisit until four, right? Uh, three, I think it's a plot point. Or is it three? Yeah, that's... three. Okay. Because that's when you get the flashbacks of him as a kid. Yeah, like, you know, he using his uh sort of map and research materials, going to an island. He's there with Elena, who's uh I was for I forgot that this was like her character, that she's a reporter with like her own travel show and that he's mm-hmm. contracted with her, like, hey, we're gonna 
look for El Dorado together. Yeah, and I didn't. Keep... I didn't remember that too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And she also had like the crappiest handy cam ever. It's like you're doing a professional TV show. You don't have a cameraman. It's just you and a handy cam. <laughs> 2007. It was caveman yeah, times. <laughs> she just like videotaped a kid's bar mitzvah and then was like out on the road with Drake. You know, yeah. same she was handy cam. Going for a found footage vibe. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like Blair Witch kind of thing. <laughs> Um, <laughs> which I mean it does get and, and the other thing with these games too because you know it starts out pretty straightforward of like oh we're trying to find this treasure you know eventually find out that El Dorado wasn't a city that it was a statue and that and then stumbling again with the Indiana Jones connection that uh, the Nazis were trying to find El Dorado first and you find their wreckage of like their U-boats all over the island and then eventually you know of course they're not the only ones trying to find the treasure. They run into uh, pirates as well as uh, mercenaries with the main villain who I completely forgot about until I looked this up, uh, Gabriel Roman, which is the other thing with the Uncharted franchise for me is that I feel like I never remember any of the main villains. Oh, <laughs> no. yeah. That's a good point. I don't like, at he, all. No. he was memorable because he was the same voice actor as uh, Kane from the Legacy of King games. And he oh, is really? just oh. an amazing voice. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, three actually three's villain is the only one I remember. Uh, Catherine Marlowe, we'll talk about her when we get to that episode. She's the only one I can remember by name. Everyone else is like, oh yeah, angry military man that wants the same thing that Drake wants is <laughs> basically you can lump them all together. I and it, I what I also like about this game is uh, you know, they kind of establish Nate's sort of shady past or shady connections with the uh, was it Eddie Raha, the character who's like the leader of the the pirates that are partnered with the mercenaries. Yeah. And they're kind of like, oh, they're they're like associates and have like a weird sort of like rivalry. He reminds me of um, if anyone remembers the first mummy movie, uh, Benny, the like cowardly dude that was like Brendan Fraser's character's like frenemy, more or less, that like partners he's basically like the weaselly friend that partners with Emotel. Okay. Okay. Sure. And just tur- like turns on Brendan Fraser every two seconds, even though they're supposed <laughs> to be friends, and then he gets his at the end. He kind of reminds me of that kind of character of like oh the weasley friend that's not your friend yeah speaking of weasley they kind of tried to do this thing with sully where there's like a twist like oh is he gonna betray you is he really a bad yeah. guy because you think bit? he dies early on yeah like yeah. he gets shot and i remember at the time being convinced like oh i guess they killed that old guy <laughs> i guess he's not important and then no. he shows up like a couple hours later working with the bad guys and yeah that becomes like a, oh who's whose side are you on because he tells you like no, no 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 i was just trying to buy time by misleading them and you know taking them the wrong way and all that stuff it's weird to look back in hindsight because sully's such a fixture in that franchise but at the time i was like oh i guess he's just some disposable guy and this is really just about nate and elena (laughs) we'll never see him again (laughs) no he's a great character i love him yeah i don't know just to my final thoughts it's just to me naughty dog has always just represented a company that just made games that were just like really fun to play you know what i mean they might not have been the most like groundbreaking or I mean, in some ways they were, but you know, they're really good craftsmen of video game gameplay and graphics. And I just always felt like if you bought a Naughty Dog game, you got a lot of like production value, a lot of graphics, uh, like well-tuned gameplay, you know, well-designed games that are just like fun. You know, this, this is like felt back then to me, like while these guys are sort of like, ascended to like another level it was a studio that i've always like really admired you know what i mean and this i think this franchise is a big a big part of that hmm. before i get too far away from it uh real quick what'd you guys think of like the twists in the story with the basically zombies okay yeah i was curious about that too i i don't think i liked it in this 
game for some reason. It, maybe it just came so late and suddenly it's like, oh wait, Supernatural? Because the game's yeah. such, such an interesting tone of feeling realistic and believable, even though it's a total blockbuster film type vibe. It, it has that sense of like, this guy's an everyman that suddenly when there's a twist of like, oh, the Supernatural's real, for some reason it it jarred me back a little bit. I would agree that's the weakest part of the game. You know what I mean? In terms of probably the, one of the weakest parts of the series, but it felt, yeah, I think the tone felt wrong in some ways. Yeah. And then they keep coming back to that well for like two and three. And it's not until four that they really just sort of abandon that supernatural element. And I think it's stronger for that. Yeah. Like it's more implied that it's there. I mean, especially by that point, but yeah, that was, that was the thing of like the late game, like twist of like, here's monsters or something. But yeah, I mean, they were creepy, but yeah, other than that, but yeah, that, uh, the adventure overall was a lot of fun. I mean, sans that, uh, really not great. What was it? The uh, jet ski section. That's probably mm. the thing people <laughs> like the least about this game, especially I remember being stuck there for a very long time and dying a lot, but that part is rough, especially on harder difficulties. Woof. Yeah. But overall fun, super fun story, you know, did a great job laying the groundwork, setting up a sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also could have easily just been a self-contained thing if for some reason this series didn't, if it take didn't off. sell well. Yeah. Well, it did end up selling well. Fortunately, it sold over 2.6 million copies. Excuse me. Sony announced at E3 2009 that the first Uncharted sold over 2.6 million copies. So that would have been, what, like a year and a half later? So that's pretty good. Year and a half, 2.6 million. Yeah. And then as of March 2015, apparently it sold almost five. So 4.8 million. There we go. So they were like, hey, we got a hit on our hands. We'll keep making more. It has a Metacritic. Again, people rag on the first one. Uh, This is basically our other endpoint coming early. But people rag on the first Uncharted, but it has an 88 on Metacritic. It reviewed really well. Got an 8.75 from us. That sounds about right. I mean, (laughs) I agree with myself. I agree (laughs) with that, too. I mean, maybe I don't know. It's so hard. I just don't care. I mean, I'm not in the business anymore, so I'm not paid to care about game scores anymore. (laughs) And I never, you know, like I, I cared about him when I was paid to do so, but I don't think numerical values is that much to me. So like, I thought it was a fun game at the time and, you know, that felt right within how Game Informer scored things. You know, I felt like there was a certain culture that I was like immersed in at Game Informer and that just, I felt like a Game Informer 875 based on what we did to, to other games yeah. and things. So yeah. I would stand by that. The only numerical value I care about is the numerical value in my bank account. Yeah, that's what it's all about. That's right. Uh, cool. Well, uh, actually, I kind of, I got to go. My wheel fell off my car today, and so I got. Oh no! I got a lift coming. Do you uh, <laughs> anything soon. you want to plug real quick? Uh, no, just Crossfade, uh, the dueling album review show available on Spotify. Uh, you know, every podcast. Dan Reichert coming up uh, here in probably about a couple weeks or so. Uh, we're taping soon, and it should be fun. Um, and again, man, it's great to talk to talk to you guys. Good to see you guys. Yeah, it's been, it was a really fun trip down memory lane. That pre- yeah, for sure. Come back anytime. Sure. You should have said, "I need to plug this hole in my car." I well, that's what I'm paying two hundred seventy five dollars for right now. So <laughs> I got I got to go do that. Yeah, I know. I need to find a doubloon to give the guy. Well, if you want to take off, Matt, we can wrap up here. Yeah, I'm sorry. I apologize. Yeah, no, but cool. I have to go. Yep. Take care, guys. Bye. See ya. Well, I think that about does it for us as well, Marcus. Any final thoughts on Uncharted before we close? 
Yeah, uh, it's a really good game. Like I said, I think it gets a weirdly bad rap just because it's the least good of an amazing franchise, which is like, you know, when you think of it like that, it's like, well, if you have to stack them, one of them's got to be last, right? (laughs) So it's not so much that it's bad. It's just something has to go at the bottom. But it's an amazing game. It's worth going back to, especially because they've uh, remastered it in HD uh, and it looks great in HD running at 60, all that good stuff. And especially now with the movie coming out, there's never been a better time to, you know, if you if you somehow have missed out on Nathan Drake's uh, amazing adventures, go, you know, play some Drake's fortune and see what the what Tom Holland has to work with come uh, later this month. Yeah, I think it's um, honestly, I'm a huge fan of this whole series, so I would recommend playing them all. And I think it's kind of nice to have Uncharted one under your belt as you go into two. Just yeah. so you know these characters. A belt that's partially covered by your shirt. A belt that's half holding a shirt in. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, it's one of my favorite franchises of all time. This is definitely the weakest entry, but I'm excited to talk about more of them. We're going to, you know, do Uncharted 2 next week. We'll do 3, 4, and Lost Legacy. We'll probably skip the Vita game. Maybe we'll talk about it as an aside at one point, but if you're huge... What was that game called again? <laughs> For all the uh, Uncharted Golden Abyss stands Golden that are out Abyss. there, the Vita launch title, uh, you know, hit us up. Let's, I, I would like to know if that's someone's favorite Uncharted game. Uh, yeah, it's not. Even though I think it plays a little bit better than the first one, I think it's still my least favorite out yeah. of all of them. He's saying Drake's Fortune deserves better because it's like, no, we have this other game that you can rag on. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think that does it for us. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode. Please like and subscribe. Leave us, a, leave us a review. And like we said, come back next week. We will be talking about Uncharted 2. I'm excited. This is the big one. This mm-hmm. is the game. This is the game that really launched, took Uncharted from a good franchise into a stratospheric one. You can follow me at Benjamin Reeves on Twitter. And I am at Marcus Stewart 7 on Twitter, the number 7. Matt, you have anything you want to plug? Matt, where'd you go? Bippity boppity boo. Got any <laughs> closers? Uh, I am. I'm, sh- I'm trying to come up with a a play on dangling because the thing about the train sequence in the beginning. Oh, like, sure. I, I almost said like I'm dangling with anticipation. I was like, what does that actually mean? <laughs> Should I just say that? Sure. <laughs> does that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I can't wait. I am dangling precariously from the back of a train in excitement. Oh, just like Nathan. Can I just be the end? Just, just like Nathan. <laughs> just like Nathan. Nathan's hot dogs. Still, yeah. what, what's Nathan's hot dogs slogan? I don't think they have. We make hot dogs. We've been doing this for a long time. You know, their name isn't even Nathan's hot dogs. Their name is technically Nathan's famous. There's not. They don't have hot dog in the title. Oh, really? Yeah. It's just. It's officially Nathan's famous. I mean, I guess when you're that synonymous with one thing, you don't. It gets redundant to put the thing that you're famous for in the title. Like McDonald's isn't McDonald's hamburgers anymore. I guess that's true. I'm surprised it's not just Nathan's though. Why Nathan's famous is weird. It feels like it's an incomplete. Like famous what? Exactly. 
I mean, maybe they were just like, oh, maybe we'll eventually get around to making other things other than hot dogs. Nathan's famous paper clips. We got a whole business.